0: My wife and I have an interdependent relationship in our marriage. I am very dependent on my wife. And she's marginally dependent. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have an interdependent relationship in our marriage. It's God's design. It doesn't mean we're perfect by any means. She will attest to that as as well as I could in love. Um, we're not perfect, but it's God's perfect design for a marriage, a man and a woman, to be interdependent among uh, um, to with each other, on each other. I think in, among many other ways, it's probably um, many times most obviously seen in the raising and the discipling of our children. Uh, there are things that I can do and I'm able to do to teach and to work and to discipline and to show love in ways that my wife just cannot. And on the other hand, there are many, many ways that my wife, being a full-time school teacher, uh, teaching my children and uh, many other things that she does and working harder than I do, uh, that, that she does. And I depend on her for those things. She depends on me for some things. My wife and I have an interdependent marriage and relationship. You know, not only is interdependence foundationally God's design in marriage like we would read about in Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 and through 22 with Adam and Eve, God creating first Adam seeing he needs a helpmate and providing Eve and they together work together and are given specific instructions from God to work together in an interdependent relationship. Not only do we see this in marriage but also it is God's intention for all Christians within the body of Christ to be interdependent together. In the church, the body of Christ is to have an interdependent relationship. And so, at the moment of salvation, the indwelling Holy Spirit within the life of a believer bestows gifts on each believer so that the body of Christ will function as an interdependent unit. We've been studying in 1 Corinthians, it's been our series in Counterculture Christianity. Thinking in a way that is different than culture because God gives us a specific revelation. So open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and let me remind you of several verses. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 12 says this, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Then if you go down to verse 27, you will remember we studied, um, we looked at this verse briefly. We'll look at it more in detail tonight, this morning. But verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So you remember, it is the Holy Spirit that distributes spiritual gifts to the church, to the body of Christ, as he sees fit to equip members of the church to be able to serve one another. Verse 11 of chapter 12 tells us, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So as Paul will work to clarify in our passage this morning in our text as we finish out chapter 12 this morning, hopefully, Paul will work to clarify that no gift, listen to this, no gift is more important than another. No spiritual gift is Gift has superiority to the other in its value in edifying and bringing glory to God in the church. So they all play a vital role within the body of Christ. Here's our big picture. This is what Paul is telling us in the text of the message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 11, and then all the way down through 26, here's what Paul is saying in short. God's design for you God's design for you is to function as a needed part of the interdependent body of Christ. That is God's will, that is God's design for you. And so Paul seeks to provide instruction and correction to the believers in Corinth that is valuable for us so that we can see that it is God's design for us to function as a needed part in the the interdependent body of Christ we're going to look at these things in detail. Let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer, and we'll jump right into the passage this morning and seek God's will. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being clear, and thank you for the opportunity to literally interpret the scriptures this morning. I pray that you would grant me clarity for the congregation this morning, that I may not be distract uh, a distraction where the people would see Christ, they would see your word. I continue to ask and thank you for clarity that you bring to the ministry of the holy spirit as we study your word together and i boldly ask that you would do a marvelous work in the hearts of those here this morning so that change may be sought after growth might be desired and um, application might be put into place may we be not hearers only but doers of the very word of god in jesus name we pray amen Firstly, in, in, in verses um, uh, 12 through 14, we just read 11 here, but all things, all these worketh that one, and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And then you get into the 12, 13, and 14, and really we see in these verses kind of an introductory to a illustration that Paul uses. And the illustration he's using is the anatomy of a physiologic, physiological body, a physical body uses this illustration because we all understand that we all have one, we all are one, right? Hopefully this morning you're a human body, you're listening. So this morning as we understand it, it's it's a very easy illustration for us to you and there's there's some natural, I don't know, maybe some humor a little bit, some irony in understanding the comparison of a human body to the spiritual body of Christ. So we look at this and we see the anatomy of the body. You see the Corinthian, Corinthian church as we have been studying and you remember, let me call to your memory some things. The Corinthian church did not understand the local church was to function like a body. It's not that they had not been taught these things. It's not that they should not have known these things, but they were not getting it right. They were not understanding that the physical body, the and the, and the body of the church was the, excuse me, the body of the church was to function like a physical body, together, working together, as a whole. Did you know that the, well, you do know this, right? The human body is composed of many members. Hopefully you know this. We all took some form of anatomy in high school or grade school or something in life, and some of you are more experts than others. I've heard that in some senior years, you become more and more experts of the body as you have more and more visits with the doctor, right? Kind of a natural way of life in this world. So you understand the body is made of many members, but did you know? Listen to this. Did you know also the adult human body is made up of 100 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 muscles, and 22 internal organs. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) interesting when you think about it. It's a lot of of names to name, a lot of things to call. I don't know that they name every cell, obviously, trillion cells. 206 bones, 600 muscles, 22 organs. So it is with the body of Christ, the church. Now, not that there's bones and flesh and so on and so forth, but there are many different parts to the body of Christ. There are not just a handful of significant ones, a larger handful of insignificant ones, or those within without so on and so forth, but there are lots of parts to the body of Christ. And we, when Paul makes this, this illustration of the human body and the body of Christ, we are our, we're already amazed and we consider all the parts that are made up in our human body that God has intelligently designed So Paul told them, the church is the spiritual body of Christ. Look at verse 12, please. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And every Christian is baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ at salvation. Look at verse 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. And so Christians not only share life with Christ, but born-again Christians also share Christ's life with each other as Christians in the body of Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, For the body is not one member, but many. Almost redundant at this point from the previous verses. He continues to remind us because there was a problem in Corinth, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But he's reminding us that there, there are many parts to the body. The church is a living organism, just as the human body is. And so there are many members, but each one is necessary to the life and the health of the church. There isn't anyone that could rightly and biblically say, I am unnecessary, I am unneeded, I am not part of that, and possess to be a Christian in the body of Christ. So that would mean that really in a graphic way, the loss of any one member or the lack of serving by any one member in the body of Christ would be a mutilation of the body. It'd be like saying, hey, you know what, (laughs) I I really don't feel like serving, so I'm just going to shut down this one lung in my body and I'm just going to go on one lung now. It'd It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it be? To just go ahead and, you know, I got two of these things. Let me just hack one of these arms off and go around with one. It would be a a ridiculous, horrible, egregious mutilation of the physical body. And in the same way, Paul's drawing a conclusion that any one of the the born-again believers in the body of Christ that chooses not to serve and is not part of the body of Christ or feels unnecessary and so then abstains from serving is like mutilating the body of Christ. The loss of one member serving is like a mutilation because God designed the church to function by way of individually and diversely gifted members that are to do the very work of the ministry. It's God's intention. So we see this setup for the anatomy of the body in verses 12 through 14. Paul says the anatomy of the body is like this. The church is like the body. There are many parts. Every one is important, and to take one out or to have one out, one serve would be a mutilation of the body. But then he continues, and turn your attention to the next five verses. In 15 through 20, we see the necessity of the lesser-seen members in the body. And we understand that Paul turns his attention this way because there were believers in Corinth, remember, that were asserting that there were some gifts that were far more superior and some that were more showy and upfront and spoken and verbal and flashing, and exciting and miraculous were far more important than like those who would have the gift of help and mercy and, and giving and things like this. And so he talks about it, he turns his attention to the necessity of the lesser-seen members of the body. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe some of you feel, maybe you're one of those that feels like, you know, I'm just really not really needed here. I come, people I guess acknowledge me, but I'm not really needed here. With the way that the Lord has equipped me and gifted me and and, and made me, I'm not really that valuable in the body of Christ. Maybe you're thinking that way this morning, and I want to encourage you from the Word of God. Let the Word of God encourage you otherwise. Because Paul's intention in writing is to change your thinking on that. Look at these verses. Verse 15, he says, If the foot shall say, so we got the feet talking this morning, this is going to be a funny service, all right? If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. Paul here turns his attention to the lesser seen members of the body. Why? Why? Because the Christians had a problem with exalting these spectacular gifts, as I mentioned. And so some of the members were less spectacular looking, were gifted with less spectacular looking gifts. And they were grumbling and wondering whether they could make any real contribution to the church or not. They were wondering and grumbling whether or not they were even um, valued or appreciated or, or had any significant um, contribution to the congregation at all. They were feeling inadequate. They were feeling insufficient or without value altogether. You know, I've, I've been in positions like this before. Maybe some of you have been in some other settings like this before. In Bible college in, in Iowa, Faith Baptist Bible College, a good Bible college. Where there's terms kind of like it is at Bob Jones University in that location where, there's, where you're kind of in that college town, aren't you? And for those that would go to church, there's many good Bible-believing churches in the area, but in those churches there's many Bible college students all studying on how to serve the Lord and all wanting to exercise their abilities and practice and work and serve in the church. And so you know what that meant? In the church I attended, it meant get in line if you wanted to do anything. I mean, there was a line all the way out the door. College students that were ready to teach Sunday school, lead songs, play the piano, serve as the, all these different positions. And, and you're going, am I any good here? I mean, I guess I warmed the seat, you know. Could it warm warming seats, slide over. There you go. Warm the other section, move on down, all right. You know, as minimal as that. Trust me, we did it. We had wooden benches. But, you know, the idea of feeling a little bit less valuable when there are others that seemingly are gifted in ways that, that are much more showy, much more obvious, and they're in positions of, of more um, um, visual sight and so on and so forth. Some were unhappy in Corinth. Some were grumbling. They were, they were frustrated. They were discontented, maybe even with their own gifts because they were seeking to, as we saw earlier, one standing up and even claiming to speak in tongues because he wanted that gift so bad. And yet ended up speaking in a way that was blasphemous to God, forcing something that was not there. So being discontented in their current position of service in the church, some may have been. But Paul's point was that there were no insignificant members in the body. Just like if I asked you in a very strange way this morning, if, hey, could you could you give me one of the parts your body don't want anymore? Could I just take one of those parts? Could you just give it to me? Thank you. You know, you're like, you know, I would like all my parts right where they are. Thank you. I like my head on my shoulders. I like my arm on my shoulders. Where You know, all these different things. You know, I like to keep everything there. It works okay right now, and I'd like to keep it that way. I'm not going to give up one of these things. Paul is making, stressing the point that a body missing one of its parts is ridiculous and for you to think that you are invaluable in the body of Christ as a born-again believer is just as ridiculous, or for others to be thinking of you that way, and we'll get to that in a moment. So he's looking at these things here, and he's talking about it. He's demonstrating. He's reminding us. Verse 15, you see, Paul's point is that there is no insignificant members in the body. And Dear Christian in love, I, I ask you this morning, if you're somebody here this morning that is... If you're, if you're part of a local church, if you're born-again believer and, and you say things to yourself like, I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't lead, I can't be a deacon, I can't play the piano like others, I can't be an usher, I can't be a musician... I can't cook like someone else. I can't clean like the other person. I can't sing up front like others do. So I really can't do anything in the body of Christ. I really don't have anything to offer because I'm not being allowed to serve in this way or this way or others are being served in this way. I just have nothing to offer. I can't do anything in the local body of Christ. You're deceiving yourself and you're Christian. You need to repent. Every one of us is part of the body. And God has equipped each and every one of us with ways in which he or she can serve as an, as an integral, invaluable part of the body of Christ. And in most ways, every one of us serves in a way that nobody else can serve just like we can. Every which way. Look at verse 16 and 17. Paul continues with this analogy of a body. Look, he says, And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. <laughs> no. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? How ridiculous would it be on a rainy day like this to look out on the street and see an eyeball rolling down the street? Oh, hi, Mr. Eyeball. How you doing? How's the feet? Don't have them. Right? It's just the eye, not really a whole body, is it? That would hurt too, by the way. Wow. Pavement would be a little rough on the eyeball. Finish verse 17. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? We need smellers, don't we? We need people that smell things and find the problem. I have a sensitive, acute nose, I think. I mean, look at the size of my proboscis, folks. I can smell rather well. We need smelling, we need seeing, we need hearing in the body. And for one to say, well, you know, I am this, I'm not that, because I can't see, I can't hear, and I can't this, they are missing the point, the value of the very person that God has created them to be, and the very gifted ability that they have to serve in their their unique way in the body of Christ. Can you imagine how ridiculous a body would be if if everyone did the same thing, I mean, picture the body of Christ. If we all did the same thing, if we all were preachers and teachers, we would frustrate the living daylights out of each other, wouldn't we? Like everybody like, no, 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 let me tell you. Oh, no, 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 let me tell you. Oh, no, 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 let me tell you. And it would just go back and forth and back and forth. We would not be very productive, would it be? If we all were really gifted and with helps, we all have helps. All oh, it would be a helpful thing to a lot of other people, but the church... There are other things that need to be accomplished. There are many jobs in the church, and God has uniquely gifted each Christian who is absolutely necessary for the normal functioning of the body of Christ. If everyone did this, who would do That is the idea that Paul is teaching us here. If everybody was doing this that everybody wanted, then who's going to do all of this so that that can do that and this doesn't do this? Whew tongue twister right what a confusion the body functions because its parts do different things I'm glad I don't have to walk around on my hands all the time I know some of you might be able to do that don't try it right now let's get through the service before we have any injuries all right but I'm glad I don't have to walk on my hands I'm glad that my my ears don't have to do the eating I mean these are ridiculous thoughts aren't they And without being irreverential, it's just ridiculous for us to think about our inability to serve in our unique ways that God has given us. It's it's harmful to the body to withhold service, to grumble about not being able to serve the way I want to serve, but to use the way that God is gifted and the way the church orchestrates and, and organizes and God makes ability. In some cases, timing may not always be the same. I can't serve in this one way. This is my baby. This is what I do. That's all right. But you know what? I trust the Lord and his church and the leadership, and I see that maybe here's a need right now. I'm going to do this to the very best ability because God gave me this opportunity until this opportunity comes up. In many cases, there's many of you, many of us that can do multiple things for the Lord, not just one specific way. So we see this in verses 16 and 17. We are different. You are significantly valuable to God. You could take a finger and point it at yourself this morning to answer, to, to, to state these statements with me. You are significantly valuable. And God wants to use you in his specific way. Look at verse 18. It says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Yeah, as it has pleased him. You see, spiritually, I was just reading and reminded of this incredible truth this week and study for this morning. Spiritually, the church is to be a, a heterogeneous, a heterogeneous, which means diverse, congregation. The body of Christ is to be heterogeneous, which causes the unsaved world to marvel at our unity within diversity. That is the model of a God-honoring, Christ-like congregation. The church is to be a place where diverse people can unite together for the glory of God, where otherwise we would have no other reason to unite and do things together. And the church goes, what? What a bunch of weirdos. And we say, it's all because of Christ, and it isn't weird, it's beautiful, right? We are different. We're different from each other, but God uses our differences. God uses our, 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 our uh, distinguishedly different gifts to work together for his glory. The church is to be a place where these diverse people work together for his glory. And so the Bible does not teach that the church is to be made up of homogeneous people. That's the term for being identical. The church is not made up so we can all conform to be the same person with the same rote list of things that we can do and work together. No, there is diversity. There's unity among diversity. And so it is God who arranges these parts of the body and we need to understand this. It is God that equips. It is God that gifts. It is God that designs the ways and presents the opportunities for us to serve. Everyone just as he wants them to be. It is God's design. The eye doesn't decide for itself what it's going to see. It's the brain uh, um, interpreting the things that are seen in the eye so that we can see. It's given the ability by God to see. and God has given the ability and the position to each member in the body. And so for a Christian... For a Christian to be discontented with a gift or envious of another person's gift or ability and talent and the use of the congregation is to stand against the very will of God. And there are implications of it. There, there are results to standing against the will of God in these ways. Look at verses 19 and 20 with me, please. Still 1 Corinthians 12, 19 and 20 says this, And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. No matter how important any one member may be, there can be nobody from that one member alone. No matter how much the hand wants to be a complete body, it will not be. No matter how much the eye wants to be a body in and of itself and do all the things the rest of the body can do when it's put together properly, it cannot. It needs the body, listen to this, the interdependency of the body of Christ to function as he has designed it. It takes all the members to make up one body. No Christian can rightly say there is no place for me in church. God's design is that every Christian's place is in the church and serving together. Dear Christian, the Bible teaches that you alone can fill a place in a church that no one else can. Uniquely, that no one else can. And you are necessary no matter how insignificant you may feel. God's word says that every one of us is necessary in the body of Christ. And so then Paul continues in verse 21 through 25. He continues on. Look at these next four verses with me and we see. Verse 21 says, And I cannot say unto the hand I have no need of thee nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you Paul is just now beginning to shift his attention first of all he he set up the anatomy of the body remember that verses 12 through 14 11 12 13 14 and then in the next five verses he explains how all of those who maybe were feeling insignificant or they're feeling they wish they could serve like somebody else they wish they could sing like them preach like them teach like them do like them that he turns attention to them and says, no, 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 every one of you are significant. I, every one of you is important in the body of Christ. And every one of you has been equipped to be able to serve. And then he turns his attention to those who were looking down over their noses at everyone else. Like, oh, look at me. I do miracles. I uh, teach. I preach. I heal. And you know, so on and so forth in the church in Corinth. And so he turns his attention to the more obvious members of the body, and in that we see the dependency of the greater on the lesser members of the body. That's number two this morning. The the de, no, number three, excuse me, the dependency of the greater on the lesser members of the body. The Corinthians were more, uh, the Corinthians that had more obvious gifts thought themselves to be superior to those who had uh, less showy gifts. Look at us. We're seen. Look at us. We do great and amazing things. And this attitude produced an independent spirit, separate from a dependent spirit, which is God's design in the church. But it produced a, this attitude produced an independent spirit and it caused those with upfront gifts to look down their noses at those with less showy gifts and develop the idea that they did not need the rest of the body. That they just had everything, you know, nailed down. They got it all worked out. We could do the work of the ministry. We got it figured out. And they could do the ministry without the help of others. You know, if you look over at Proverbs with me, we see a little bit of insight on God's view of this type of attitude. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18 speaks of the issue of pride. Pride. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God hates pride. Pride and a spirit of independence in the church produces a competitiveness. It it produces a rivalry amongst the brethren. And that rivalry, that independent spirit leads to division and that division leads to ineffectiveness. How harmful a haughty, prideful spirit becomes, or is to the congregation. Paul sums up pride very well in the same book we're in right now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, he says this, for who maketh thee to differ from another? Rhetorical question pointing to God. And what hast thou that thou dost not receive? Do you have anything that you're not received and not given by God? No. Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Why do you glory in something that, that you, your, your glory and your pride is saying, Look what I have, look what I've produced, look what I've come up with, and look what I've made? Paul reminds the church many times over in that passage, chapter 4, and then all over where we are now, as well as throughout the rest of Scripture. It's all of God. Any ability, any gift, it's of God. And so therefore, we should not act as if we have accomplished anything on our own. That's why we speak so much about to God be the glory. May God be magnified. May God be glorified. May Christ be exalted. May God be praised. We have a doxological responsibility in using the ways that God has gifted us in the congregation. Paul is saying that those with more obvious gifts are actually dependent on those with less showy gifts. It is all the little gifts functioning properly which makes the big, more obvious gifts to function Effectively, big and small, not being a comparison on on uh, validity or value, but maybe in the in the shock factor, the wow factory, and the things that are obvious. Look at twenty two and through twenty three. Paul continues and writes First Corinthians twelve, and those are members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. <laughs> Listen to that. 22, Let's go back to 22, it says, Nay, Much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Reverse order, but same idea, 22 and 23. So the church cannot function without the less obvious gifts. We need people behind the scenes. We need people to serve in ways that God has gifted them to serve in ways that may never this side of heaven receive public acknowledgment. They may be ways in which somebody faithfully serves and and will never be known until that person passes. And we realize, wow, look what they were doing. We need somebody else to fill in. And all of those things are accomplished so that others gifted in other ways might be able to do their service well. You realize the tongue? We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. We were talking about God breathing the scriptures, the inspiration of the word of God. And it reminds me, when we think of the tongue, it would be nothing. You realize that? Your tongue that does so much, of speaking right now and communicating right now, it would be nothing without the larynx. It would be nothing without the lungs and the air to push through to use with the tongue. We consider the tongue to be so mighty, what we say. And James even notes how, mighty the, how, how, how much the tongue can accomplish, both evil and good. Well, without the larynx, without the lungs, without the muscle, without the brain, all these other things, the tongue could accomplish nothing. Those gifted with the the behind-the-scenes gifts are indispensable to the proper function of the local body of Christ, the church. Furthermore, the greater gifts are not only to just acknowledge this, but the greater gifts, speaking of those with... Other types of obvious gifts are to recognize and then to furthermore are to honor the lesser gifts. Those of you that are gifted in ways that feel like it's not as big as other ways, understand that, that those of us who are otherwise are to honor those with lesser gifts. Dra- that means to draw attention to their importance, to draw attention to their effectiveness and their functioning of the church body. You know, if we did not have the gifts of helps working in the church, we would soon see the gift of teaching suffer. If we didn't have the gift of helps and mercy and others in the body of Christ, you would see the the, the gift the, the other gifts begin to suffer. We need all gifts. All gifts are significant. And thank you. Thank you to those in the congregation here at Calvary to serve in a in a uh, a quiet faithful way helping the body of Christ so that those who are gifted in other ways other ways might serve most effectively everyone serving in the body of Christ verses 24 and 25 tell us this for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. There's encouragement for you. More abundant honor to those who are lacking. Verse 25 tells us that, that there should be no schisms in the body, that the, uh, the members should have the same care one for another. In the eyes of the Lord, the person with the gifts of helps, the gift of mercy, by using by way of example, was just as honorable as a person with the gifts of healing, or pastor, or teacher, or evangelist. Just as important, folks, God hates division in the church. God hates division within his church. And the way to avoid division in the areas as relative to spiritual gifts and serving is to know God's will on the matter. And so we look at texts like this and we see the importance of every individual believer within the body of Christ. Working the way that God has organized them and gifted them. So that when the body is functioning properly, there is genuine care. There is authentic, loving, Christ-like concern for all within the congregation. We come now to verse 26. It says, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. It's just like that with the human body, isn't it? So if you turn your attention to the first part of verse 26, consider this. A wound to the body causes the immune system to immediately go into action, doesn't it? I'm not a physician, but all all the things that start happening, the blood that comes rushing to clean the wound, all all the things that work to fight the, the, the potential of infection, the body starts working to preserve itself when there's a wound inflicted on the body. Likewise, when one member suffers in the body, the whole body suffers with it in a loving, compassionate way that understands we are one body, united together in Christ. This is one basis for our midweek prayer service. This is one of the bases for our sharing prayer requests and praises together so that the body might understand better the body, so that the hand might know what the foot is doing and the eye might be able to understand that the ear is hurting and so that we can work and pray and love together for the health of the body as a whole. It's an opportunity to share our burdens when we pray together to share our struggles, to share our trials so we can share in the same spiritual pain together. And I, I urge you and challenge you to work on being more intentional on sharing spiritual needs and spiritual matters when we share in our prayer time and prayer requests together. Not for the purpose of showing off or any form of pride, but reminding each other, I'm a human being faced with the temptation of sin, and God is working in my life this way, pray for me, brothers. Pray for me, sister. When we fail to use our gifts, the whole church suffers. When we gossip, when we possess a critical spirit, when we even go as far as to withhold our givings and regular, faithful, generous offerings, because we're not happy with something in the church or something that was said, the whole body suffers and it hurts. What we do or don't do affects the whole body. Just like in a physical body, so it is in the church. And so the last part of 26, we just read, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice it. When one part of the body is soothed or made comfortable, the entire body reacts positively, doesn't it? We played some volleyball this last weekend. Those of us who are not as young as we used to be get out there and want to play with the teens. Let me show you something. And you dive and hit the sand in a weird contorted way and you get up and you're like, hmm, I think I did something to my back there. Oh, no matter. And you do it again and again and again and again. And then that evening you lay in bed and you go, oh, honey, my back is so stiff it hurts. She begins to work out that knot in the back, loosens it up. Oh, thanks for that. Oh, the whole body feels a little better, doesn't it? When that little bit of attention is given to the one that is hurting, and when that is soothed and cared for, there's results in the whole body. We are not individuals. We are one body united together in Christ. We are exhorted by Paul, exhorted by God's word to comfort the entire body. Listen, if God is blessing someone in a big way <laughs> in the use of her or his spiritual gift, if God is really using somebody in a magnificent, marvelous way in the congregation, we ought to be overjoyed for that person. We ought to be just jumping up and down and enjoying the, Look what God is doing in this person instead of, I wish I was used like that. I wish I could be in that position. I wish I could have such a place of prominence and service at Calvary Baptist Church. no. No, dear Christians, it ought to be, look what God is doing. Praise God for using that individual. Congregation, the body rejoices with the body. So what's Paul's point? We need each other. We need to encourage each other. We are all dependent and interdependent on one another as a body of Christ. Verses 27 through 31, Paul draws a conclusion to this analogy. This brings us to a close of the passage. I'll finish by just reading these verses. Look at verse 27. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? (laughs) You get the rhetorical answer, don't you? No. Verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet, show I unto you a more excellent way. There's a teaser for our next chapter we're going to jump into. We're going to soon see in chapter 13, the more excellent way within the body of Christ is love. For without love, we have nothing. Closing his analogy, Paul exhorts the local church that no one gift is more important than the other. Let's pray. Father, we understand from your word, we understand from the example seen in this congregation, the congregations before us, that we have been united in one body by the work of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of receiving Jesus as our Savior, Lord, we understand your words remind us this morning that everyone here this morning, every born-again Christian is important in your body, the body of Christ, the church. We've also seen furthermore that we, each and every one of us, are important to each other and that God wants to use every one of us in the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us, each and every one, to grow in appreciation, to grow in thanks for each other as we serve you together as one body. I pray that you would encourage those who might have an attitude or thoughts and feelings of feeling insignificant. I pray that this morning, maybe in a way that would be timely, that only you knew, Lord, through this message, those that felt like they had a little bit insignificant position, Maybe they felt like they weren't seen, they weren't noticed, they weren't needed. I pray that you would encourage their heart to show them the importance of every Christian in the body of Christ. May we work together without envy, without strife, without desiring, without grumbling, for not being able to serve in the specific way we may think we want to or think we may be gifted in, but to serve wherever you make a way in this church.